machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, welcome back to the Comic Book Revolution Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rock, by my side, my platonic life partner, Steven. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you? Not bad, not bad. We're, we're all jazzed up before we we started this, this episode. Steven and I watched the mm-hmm. new trailer for... Godzilla versus Kong, and needless to say, Stephen, we are pretty excited right about now. <laughs> yeah, I was excited before, and I'm like <laughs> over the moon, like holy crap! I want it right now. Yes, and directly into my veins, please. Yes. Thank you. Yes, uh. absolutely. <laughs> I am so excited for this movie. You know, it's it's Stephen. I think you said it best after after us damn pandemic for an entire year Mm -hmm. this is what we need we need godzilla versus kong i mean we're all over so steven (laughs) you seem to think that they're gonna end up teaming up kong and godzilla gonna Mm -hmm. end up teaming up to fight some unknown bad guy is that your guess yeah that's your guess huh yes it is okay absolutely all right all right yeah we shall see. We shall see. I have a feeling, Stephen, that because it's an American movie, they're going to give the edge to Kong, which I find to be a absolute injustice. Absolute injustice. I will be offended if they dare besmirch Godzilla in such a manner. After all, he is the king of all monsters. That would include Kong. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I think... I think I think one of them is going to win a fight, but then there's going to be like, oh, there's another, there's another something going on. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like computer screens slashing, like oh, fully powered, engaged. So I think, yeah, yeah, that maybe there's a Mecha Godzilla involved as well. Ooh, which would be pretty dope. That would be so cool. Oh, oh this movie's going to be crazy, Stephen. <laughs> We're definitely going to do a review of this movie when it comes out. No doubt about it. Yes. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right, my friend. As always, you can check us out online at comicbookrevolution.com. You can go there and get the, the latest uh, reviews for comics, uh, movies, any kind of show that we see that we like, anything that tickles our fancy, basically. You can also check us out on Twitter at CB Revolution. You can check me out on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution. Steven? And you can find me on Twitter at President Glover. Excellent, my friend. All right. Well, this episode is going to be our part two of our look mm-hmm. into manga versus American comics. And in part one, we really broke down the differences between the two industries and the two formats. Mm-hmm. Really, we looked into the distinction between how they're made, how they're created, mm-hmm. their philosophical differences between the two art forms and then we finished with looking at the sales numbers and the growth or lack thereof of both industries (laughs) and I figured the second part we will really now dive into what 
you and I think are manga's advantages and mm-hmm. what American comics could do to learn from manga in an attempt to save themselves from becoming the dodo. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they really need to do something to, to save the industry because at the rate they're going, mm-hmm. there will not be an industry left. And that would be unfortunate right. because I, I've grown up with Marvel and DC Comics and it would really suck to see them just completely collapse yeah. into nothingness, which is absolutely a realistic concern, Stephen. Right now, mm-hmm. DC Comics is, is they just, AT&T just continues to cut away at DC Comics. They just continue to lay off pers- people mm-hmm. after people. The staff is just shrinking. They're cutting the number of titles that they publish. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not looking good. As a matter of fact, yeah. we saw you know, just a, a week ago, you know, the news is, is appears that DC Comics is moving closer to an anthology model of publishing, Stephen. You're, mm-hmm. You've seen with the Future State comics and in the comics that are coming out after Future State that instead of doing the $3.99, I call it $4. Let's call it mm-hmm. what it is. These, these $4 <laughs> 20-page comics, it looks like they're switching from that to 60-page comics with an $8 cover price, which that's just so expensive. It is more yeah. similar to what you see in Europe, but boy, that is, uh, Stephen, I, I don't know how, it starts to make it difficult for people to make money making mm-hmm. comic books. Because yeah. right now, if you've got three, an, an anthology coming, com, comic coming out, and Wolverine, oh, this is a DC, sorry, I apologize. Uh, let's say the lead oh. story is <laughs> Batman, and then there's a Metal Man mm-hmm. story, and then a blue beetle story okay Mm -hmm. well everybody shares the money from that comic steven whether you're writing the batman comic or you're writing the blue beetle comic or you're writing the metal man comic well everybody knows it's being purchased for the batman comic not for the other two and Mm. so just the economics it's going to become a lot harder because now what are you going to do you're going to cut out the the backup creative team from getting money from the central creative team? Are you going to spread it, the money between all three creative teams? It's going to create a problem paying these people yeah. and it's really going to take a cut out of these people's paychecks and you're already seeing people leaving mm-hmm. DC and Marvel because it's just not mm-hmm. economically viable to stay with them. This is going to become a yeah. problem attracting writers and artists. It's it's going to become it's going to become harder I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I, I think there's that's a potential problem. And I think, honestly, Stephen, an $8 cover price, I don't care if it's an anthology comic or not, 60-page anthology comic or not. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a deal-breaker for me because, sorry, 8 bucks is paying for yeah. that, that legit, I'm paying for one month of Disney+. Plus. I'm paying for one month of Hulu. Mm-hmm. I'm paying for one month of Netflix. Well, I mean, I, I get far more use out of one month of Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu than I do one sixty-page comic. Sorry, that 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 doesn't work. That yeah. price point does not work at all. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? It's not good. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm not paying eight bucks for. I'm not paying eight bucks eight bucks for a comic book. Absolutely not. There is there is nothing on on a pay on a, on a in a comic book that is worth eight dollars of my time right. or of, of my money. Yep. I mean. I'm just being honest. I'm yep. sorry. Yep. I love comic books. I yep. love the I love DC comics, but it's not it's not no. No. 
That's crazy. No, absolutely so, not. <laughs> you see a lot of changes in Marvel and DC, Stephen, where things are not looking good for the mm-hmm. future. But I think there are ways they could make they could make some changes and and rebound mm-hmm. a bit. They can learn from manga yeah. and make some changes. So let's go through the few areas that you and I have really pinpointed that could help turn the tide for American comics. And let's start it off, Stephen, on mm-hmm. one of manga's big advantages over American comics, and that is genres and diversity. Manga is far mm-hmm. more diverse than American comics, period. End of story. Just is. American comics yeah. are completely dominated by the superhero genre. It, it just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the, to the Comic Cron, 2019's yearly sales numbers, the overall unit share, well, 70, about 76% of it was Marvel and DC. That's, that's your superhero comics. Yeah, the remaining, you know, 20, there's like 23% for uh, American indie comics. Well, you know, a portion of those are also superhero comics too, you know. That remaining 23% isn't all non-superhero. A good portion of that is superhero comics. The overall dollar share, 70% is Marvel and DC, 28% is American indie comic publishers. Again, some of that 28% are also superhero comics. Superhero genre dominates American mm-hmm. comics. It's not even close. It's just not. Manga, on the other hand... Yeah way more genres, and it's interesting how they break up their genres because, again, it is far more complex and far more nuanced than American comics are. American comics are basically just, here you go, here's Marvel and DC, and there you are, right? (laughs) Manga categorizes themselves by audience first and Mm -hmm. then the genre and then the subgenre. That's not how American comics operate. They do not categorize themselves by an audience, and they don't really go yeah. into a genre or a subgenre. It's just basically here's your superhero comic, done. Or here's your non superhero yeah. comic, done. And that's it. With manga, you got yeah. four main four main genres. The first is shonen manga. That is mm-hmm. manga that targets tween and teen boys. Think Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. Naruto, My right. Hero Academia. One piece. One piece. Yeah. That's that's shown in manga. Okay. Targets boys, mm-hmm. tweens to teens. The second is shoho manga. That targets mm-hmm. girls, tween, and teens. Think Sailor Moon. Right? That's a good example for shoho yeah. manga. The third is Sanin manga, and that targets adult men over 18. Think Akira, mm-hmm. Berserk. You know, any manga that has lots of action, lots of violence, they're often pretty serious. They're often can be dark. They, it's not uncommon for them to have graphic violence and sexual content. And it, they normally star a heterosexual male protagonist. That's, that's seinen manga. Mm-hmm. Then you have Josai manga. I may be mispronouncing some of these. I apologize. But I'm doing my best with the Japanese. <laughs> Josai manga targets adult women over 18 that usually Mm -hmm. has a heterosexual female protagonist and Mm -hmm. usually it is not uncommon for the male protagonist to be homosexual often there might be some type of loveless theme between the characters that's not too uncommon Mm -hmm. but those are your four main categories and what defines each main category right so you can tell the bat steven they're breaking it down by their target audience that's how they do it Mm -hmm. then after they do that, those are your four main categories. You go to the, your eight minor manga genres. You've got Seihen manga, which mm-hmm. is adult comics for males. You have Reduso manga, targets all younger adult females. 
You've got Kodomo manga, which mm-hmm. targets young children. Those are the under tweens. Think Pokemon. You've got Yao manga. Yeah. And this is manga that follows relationships between same-sex male characters. And they're usually mm-hmm. young, good-looking. You know, he's usually <laughs> it's, it's usually sexually explicit in content. Yeah. Um, you've got... Boys love manga. Again, remember, in Japan, it, anything goes with their entertainment. They're not very mm-hmm. Victorian like we are, so this can happen. Boys love manga is manga that follows the relationship between same-sex male characters. Uh, the males are always very young and attractive, and and it may or may not have sexual content. That can vary. Mm-hmm. It is traditionally written by female mangaka for female readers. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Shonen Ai manga. That's manga centering on uh, romantic relationships between boys. It first emerged in early Shoho magazines in the 1970s. Again, not all of these genres are going <laughs> to come over to America, obviously. Um, you've right. got Bara manga, <laughs> which is created by gay men for gay men. You've got Yuri manga, which is girls love manga. So it's same sex between females it usually is sexually mm-hmm. explicit, Th- though there are some that just focus on romance. And then right. the Yao and the Yuri manga that we've now touched on, they're categorized as LGBTQ manga because they feature same-sex couples. However, most modern Yao and Yuri manga focus on the romance and sexual escapades of the characters and rarely mm-hmm. and rarely discuss queer issues or identity. So it, you don't really mm-hmm. get like kind of the ex- the exploration of the realities of living life as a gay person or a queer person, they often don't even refer to themselves as homosexual or gay. So it's, it's really different than the kind of LGBTQ American comics, which focus very heavily on, on identity. It's very different. The American ones focus on identity. Uh, (laughs) Yao and Yuri don't really, they don't really address real issues and they appear to operate in some kind of like escapist fantasy reality. So mm-hmm. it's a lot different than what yeah. we would get here. And also uh, in, in Yao manga, um, it's, it's, you know, non-consensual sexual contact, contact, you know, rape, attempted rape, that kind of thing can, can appear. So again, you know, just be careful before you buy certain manga because they're not all the same. I don't know. <laughs> Steven's like, okay, there we go. Uh, Steven, so there you go. There's your four main manga genres and your eight minor manga genres. What do you think of that way of breaking it down to, to really target your, to market your, your, your material? I do like the, the marketing hat that you just put on there. Yeah, to, it is. You know, to yeah. do that. Yeah. But um, I do, I, I just had to say, um, it's funny you bring up the, uh, you know, how like in America stuff like about, um, the LGBTQ community is very like identity driven Yes. where I was um, my roommate and I watched uh, the great British baking show, which is one of yes. life's few remaining joys. Yes. Yes. And we made, we made a comment one day about how, like if this show was an American show, like if there was a character that was, um, that was gay or something like that, that's it has some dramatic music swell up. And then they would like say something like, well, and, it's really hard because then like turn to the camera and like, because I'm gay or something <laughs> where in, we're on the great British baking show. Like someone will just make like an offhand comment about like their, their partner or something. Right. And, not, and it's like, Oh, okay. I guess that person's gay and we'll just move on and right. probably never bring it up again. So yeah. yeah. It is. It's interesting to, 
it's interesting the way that America handles that as opposed to other countries. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, now the genres yeah. are broken down into you know you can so you got your four main ones, your eight minor ones, and then you mm-hmm. got your sub genres, right? And your subgenres, right. Stephen. I mean, it's all bets are off when it comes to manga. It, you see everything. You see action adventure, apocalyptic. You see comedy. You see coming mm-hmm. of age. You see cooking manga. Okay, there's some great cooking mangas, by the way. I've read some. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, Iron Walk Jan is one of them. So good. Worth worth reading. You get Iron Walk Jan, read it. You will like it. You'll thank me later for it. Um, you've got dystopian, fantasy, historical, <laughs> horror, magical, martial arts, mecha, mystery, romance, sci-fi. you got Sentai. It's sports. Uh, yeah, it's Western. Right. It's everything. And you also have one genre called subgenre called isekai which is a fun one it's kind of it's 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 a one it's a subgenre of fantasy where a character is suddenly transported from their mm-hmm. world to a new or unfamiliar, unfamiliar world it's kind of like for us americans think about the wizard of oz or alice in wonderland right. okay that's an mm-hmm. isekai story the main character must either physically or mentally you know they're spirited away to another world reborn this new world in a new form usually more powerful than they were before and it's mm-hmm. it's all it, the story revolves around them trying to find their way back home, right through a series of quests and adventures. Right. That's a re- this is a really popular subgenre right now, like really popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example of this would be Inuyasha. That's mm-hmm. a shoho manga. Yeah. Inuyasha. That's a good example of this subgenre. So those are all your genres, Stephen. I like I like how manga does it. I like how they start mm-hmm. with audience no, yeah. first, audience first, age second genre than subgenre I like how they break it down and really get targeted into hey this is what we're going to do yeah this is what we're doing i think it's pretty neat mm-hmm. and I, I like the variety variety is great really good variety is good mm-hmm. and so this is probably my one of my most favorite aspects of manga is just an endless variety what are you in the mood for we got something yeah. for you you know what i mean that's cool <laughs> that's cool because yeah. you get a little tired reading the same thing I love superhero stories, but you get a little tired after a while, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and piggybacking on this is the target audience because they, they go hand in hand, as you can tell about how they break their genres down. It goes hand in hand with their target audience, mm-hmm. right? Because it's in the four main genres. Right. It's important for American audiences to remember that Japan uses targeted demographics differently than we do. Targeted demographics in Japan, mm-hmm. they're meant to be, uh, how do you say it? They're descriptive but not prescriptive, right? right? They, you know, there's sure. no doubt that yeah. manga have their desired audience for sure, mm-hmm. okay? But it doesn't mean yeah. that only members of the target audience should or can read that that manga. Splitting mm-hmm. manga into these genres is, is a method of directly dividing and conquering the marketplace along traditionally segmented right. gender and age groups. And these traditionally segmented gender mm-hmm. and age groups exist for a reason because they're still very they're they're very common. It's a general rule mm-hmm. of thumb for marketing, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's an economic strategy and not a strict guideline, right? It's it it's sure. very common for adults to read shonen or shoho manga. I know that I read shonen manga, and I'm an adult male, so there you go. <laughs> um, men might read Josai manga. Some women might read Senen manga. That happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the consumer is always free. You know, they're free to buy whatever they desire, but manga sure. titles definitely have their target audience that they're trying to hit. And I think this is mm-hmm. really huge. 
and it, it ties in with the different genres offer, but this is really important. I think this is one area where American comics are really struggling because American comics, mm-hmm. Marvel and DC, they don't have a target audience anymore. They don't exist. Right. Or, or they're targeting these incredibly niche audiences or aspirational mm-hmm. audiences that may or may not right. even exist at all mm-hmm. or may not even yeah. buy comics at all. The American comics kind of need to get away from this belief that targeting audiences is unacceptable. They need to move mm-hmm. away from that. People are free to buy whatever they want. That's a good sure. thing. But if you want to grow your business, it's just like business one-on-one. If you want to grow your business, you have to use marketing. You have to. You have to use targeting to try to grow your business. And this refusing to use, you know, to target audiences or targeting just niche or aspirational audiences, it's not working out. And the proof is in, it's in the numbers, Stephen. It's in the numbers. I think this is a one area where American comics are failing horribly. And they need to, they need to change that. If you said, hey, we're going to make Amazing Spider-Man, our target audience on Amazing Spider-Man is going to be boys age 13 to 18. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean no one else is going to buy it or can't buy it. Sure. It doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. But it gives you a clear <laughs> goal in mind. You, got mm-hmm. to have, you have to have a clear goal in mind because if you don't, you end up making a comic for nobody. Right. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Stephen? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think I think one of the things that maybe um, that, well, I definitely like the manga approach. Yeah. Japan is not as, uh, it's not as diverse, like, ethnically. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, okay, we have our, true. like, very specific, like, yeah. cultures of people, you know, we have. Right. And it's not just, like, racially different. I mean, of course, you know, um, African-Americans, like, we're probably like something different than Hispanic Americans right. do. But it's like we have like even amongst our, our our white population, there's the Appalachian white people and the sure. North, northeastern white people and people that live in New York and people right. in California and all that. Well, it's good. However, even among Hispanic said, population, you got Mexican versus Cuban versus Argentinian versus right. you know Ecuadorian. Yeah, all, all radically different. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, you know uh, uh, the the Japanese do not have that that. Um, that that's not their that's not their reality mm-hmm. now that's not to say that their approach st- still couldn't work of right. course you right. know it's just we have to be smarter about how you market mm-hmm. your stuff you have to create more stuff yeah. to appeal to these different groups mm-hmm. you make a fair point that sure japan is not as diverse as we are but but sure. i would say this you know what when writing for a six-year-old boy or a 10-year-old boy or mm-hmm. a 13-year-old boy or even a 16-year-old boy yeah. They're all pretty much the same, basically, yeah, regardless of their sure. ethnicity. They just are. Yeah, of course. They just are. So when you're making comic books, you can target 13-year-old boys mm-hmm. or 16-year-old boys. And yeah. if there are some girls out there who want to read it, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to avoid doing it. Japanese is they're not ethnically as diverse as we are, but I think they show the path as mm-hmm. far as you you can sure. absolutely because the fact is I look at my boys and all their friends and they're all different ethnicities but they all act the same they're all as stupid as each other and they're 
<laughs> you know? I mean, they all act the same. They really do. So I think, I think in America, you can't have titles like, okay, we're going to target teen girls. And if there's a boy yeah. that likes it, then rock on, buy it. It's, it's okay. Or we're going to target guys 18 and over. That's fine. I, I think that American comics need to realize that that, that is okay. And that is how you're going to yeah. grow your business. If Otherwise, it's, you're going to make stories for people that don't exist, or you're just not going to appeal to anybody. That's where I think American comics can yeah. pick up from the Japanese manga. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I, I think like the targeting of the younger people will be a lot easier. It's more of the trying to get the adult market, because that's where things kind of branch out and become a little little trickier, a little more, you know, you have to like think about like the subcultures and yep. stuff, I think. Yep. I think generally, uh, generally, I mean, well, the comics in my view should target kids first, you yes. know, because I they're, agree. they're the ones who are, especially superhero comics, you yes. know, the, the flat, the bright colors mm-hmm. and the, the, the cool uniforms yes. and stuff. I think they're the ones that would be, um, I mean, obviously because there's kids in all the Marvel movies, you know, they love, they love that stuff. You got it. I mean, all it would take is just somebody to go, Hey, at, at Marvel, I mean, I guess Kevin Feige's ahead of Marvel now. I don't, I don't know how that's working out, but he's just say, Hey, you know, why don't we just take some of these books make them specifically for kids and then take some other books and make them specifically for adults, Yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And that would be, that'd be the first step towards fixing a lot of problems. Yep. For sure. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. I agree. The next area I think where American comics might learn from manga would be in mm-hmm. themes. Uh, and I'm talking mm-hmm. adult themes, the handling of adult themes, the handling of politics and the handling of social agendas, right? They all kind of go hand in hand as far as, how you handle it. manga without a doubt, Steven has more sex and more deviant mm-hmm. behavior than American comics, which are absolutely Victorian in nature these days. There's no debating this yeah, fact. Puritanical. <laughs> yeah. There's no debating this fact. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think, obviously not for comics targeting kids. I'm not crazy. <laughs> what sure. I'm saying is, do you think American <laughs> comics need to loosen it up with the adult themes more? Or is that something that they should just not worry about? I mean, obviously the stuff targeting kids, like we said, it's already right. Right. You know, we are. We've already sold that. Agreed. Yeah, I think so. I mean, America, especially right now is a very, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of complex stuff happening. I hate to say it like this because it makes me sound super pretentious, but good <laughs> art leans yes. into stuff like that. Right. Right. And isn't afraid to, to ask questions and challenge what now, of course, if it's, if it's a more, if it's in a superhero comic targeted more towards like adults over eighteen, right? I'm not going to expect Superman to stop and give a lecture about you know climate change or something right. like that. Right. It's just it'd just be really awkward. But you know, if an Aquaman comic were to not preach at you but right. have something like that involved, that would make sense. You know, with his character, the oceans and whatnot. As somebody making a comment in Batman or Spider Man about you know the you know, is this really the best way to handle right. crime? Because, you know, people do this, not preaching, of course, but find a way to make it naturally fit, mm-hmm. you know, something to insert it into the people's brains while they're reading it. Cause yep. I think the best way to get complex themes or um, ask questions is for, to entertain people first, Yes, slide in and there. Yes. And when they're done and they're like thinking about it later on, how much they liked it, like, Oh, and then they, you know, it, a light goes off in their heads. Yes. yes. They don't notice it at first, mm-hmm. but I really think there should be more like just adult comics, like about like real themes and stuff. I'd be interested to see something about 
what what is it really like in rural America? What is it like to be, you know, somebody being gentrified in San Francisco? I don't know. <laughs> Something for for the more serious minded people like right. who, like read these giant tomes of books about it. Right. Have something for you know to try to reach that. It's more about like you know trying to like okay we we have this we're going to try to reach this audience we're not going to try to all ages everything like right they have been trying to do. Now we might not want to read something like that, but there's probably right. some people that do. You know they don't have to publish fifty of those types of titles. Of course, would you? say keep the fan service art out keep the sexual aspects of adult themes out of comics that are targeting readers over 18 or would you say nah you're over 18 you like boobs we'll give you boobs (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so if it's for over 18 then i think it should be it should be fair game i would prefer it not be like ridiculous all right you know it's just we're having a conversation open now. Right, open right, right. And now we're going to do it. It's got to work with but, the storm. Um, right. <laughs> Understood. Understood. I think they should. Yeah. You know, if we're, if we're going to have more themes then we should be able to have more adult stuff I, <laughs> in, I, the, in the books. I would agree. I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. I, I, would, I don't want every comic like that, but I'm saying if, you, if you've got a comic sure. talking to people over 18, then it's, it's okay to deliver some fan service. People don't mind. Mm-hmm. Cheesecake is delicious. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, there's also yes, it is. <laughs> the, the other themes I want to touch on are are politics and social agendas mm-hmm. in your comics. Now, that is very common in American comics. That is very, very common yes. in modern day American comics from both both DC and Marvel. There's uh, no shying away of putting politics and social agendas into their comics. On the other hand, manga. Yeah. That is largely unseen in manga. You just don't see it right. at all. Uh, mm-hmm. American comics are not shy about giving you, well, for the lack of a better word, performative wokeness. There's a difference between critically going into a story and performative wokeness. I think we yeah. all understand the differences between the two. And you don't see that in, in manga in the least bit. In a manga, it's, it's all about escapism. We're here. The, the, the creator has a story. They want to entertain you. They want to give you some escapism. That's what they deliver. They're very good at that. Manga is. Mm -hmm. Many comics in America tend to have an agenda first and then work some escapism in second. And you've seen that a lot with with, uh, American comics over the past probably five years, really. Not all, Mm -hmm. okay. Uh, I think sometimes... Sure. I think sometimes... People paint with too wide, uh, wide of a brush with this. Performative wokeness would apply to, you know, there are some titles from Marvel, some of those all new, all different titles that would absolutely fall mm-hmm. into the area of performative wokeness. And right. the stories just weren't good. The characters aren't good because the characters aren't the point. The story's not the point. Right. It's me giving you my agenda. That's the point of the story, uh-huh. right? On yeah. the other hand, there were some comics that were done that I think some people tried to lump in with this, which I think is incorrect. I, this, I think people get overboard with this. That's why you have to be intelligent mm-hmm. when you talk about this topic. Because I think people tried to include the DC, uh, remember the New Age of Heroes titles? Like right. Sideways mm-hmm. and, oh, uh, what was the one with the Hitman, Hitwoman, I guess. She was a mom and a Hitwoman, remember? <laughs> uh, the Silencer. The yeah. Silencer. Uh, they, they did a whole line of comics. And I know some people mm-hmm. tried to call him woke. 
and they were not. That's ridiculous. Just because someone stars yeah. a character that doesn't look like you does not make it woke. <laughs> okay, let's be very clear. Right. right. Very clear. <laughs> let's take Sideways, for example. He was a Hispanic kid. At no point did that matter to the story. Mm-hmm. You knew he was. You knew he was. Okay. You have eyes. You knew he was. Mm-hmm. But it was not part of the story. The story was to entertain yeah. you. Uh, the same thing with the silencer. Tell she was a black lady. You have eyes. Yeah. It never, <laughs> but it was not part of the... It, it, it didn't matter. The story was to entertain right. you. The story is to entertain you. Yeah, so I think DC did a great job, in my opinion, giving you some mm-hmm. different characters from different groups, mm-hmm. but putting the focus on entertainment and escapism right. and making them super reader-friendly. I loved them. They didn't mm-hmm. sell well, but I yeah. loved them. <laughs> okay? Whereas a lot of... A lot of yeah. Marvel's all new, all different <laughs> titles tend to be what you would consider performative wokeness where we don't care about the story. We don't really care about the characters. You don't care about the stories and characters mm-hmm. either. We're just going to preach to you. Yeah. That doesn't do well. Yeah. And a good example of this, we're not picking on this title. It's just an easy example that we could use. You could pick other titles yeah. as well. This isn't the only one. And, and if you like this title, awesome. You and the other 10,000 people that bought sure. it liked it too. But Chelsea Kane's Mockingbird, it came out. Mockingbird, number one. Mockingbird's a popular character. She's on you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the first issue sold 42,000 units. And then the second issue came out and it dropped down to 32,000. And then the third issue came out and it dropped to 21,000. And then the fourth, fifth, and sixth issues all sold in the 15th thousand unit range and then issue seven and eight sold in the 14,000 unit range. This is my point. It doesn't sell. I know it makes people feel good. And I'm sure people on social media who don't read comics like to say, this is awesome, but they're not buying it. They're not buying it. They just like to retweet it on Twitter (laughs) and say, look how cool Mm -hmm. this is. Okay. But you didn't buy it. And I know you didn't buy it because it's sold 14,000 units. So all you people on social media are talking about how awesome Mockingbird is. You're lying because you didn't buy it because it didn't sell at all. I guess that's kind of my point is that kind of performative wokeness doesn't lead to numbers. And the people who say they like it aren't buying it. And it drives people away, which we've seen objectively in the numbers as the comic industry continues to go down, Mm -hmm. down, 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 as you tend to see more and more of this. So... I think a lot of readers, the bulk of your clientele are buying comics because they want escapism. They don't really want to be lectured on. If I want to get lectured on, Mm -hmm. I'll go visit my parents for an hour and they can lecture me. They're good at that. Okay. Uh, If that's what I'm looking for. (laughs) All right. But when I buy a comic and I think, I think the majority of your consumers when they're looking to buy comic, mm-hmm. they're just looking for some escapism, man. The world sucks. Yeah. Okay, the world sucks. The news mm-hmm. is an unending torrent of horrible news. All right? It's awful. Mm-hmm. It's awfulness everywhere you go. So I just want to get a yeah. comic, and I want to see some dudes on steroids and some women with big boobs in tiny outfits punching each other in the face. That's all I want. Is that too much to ask for? Life is terrible otherwise, okay? So people want to yeah. be people want to be entertained. They want great stories with interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they just kind of don't want somebody's politics or ideologies being shoved mm-hmm. in their face. They don't want it. If you want to add some politics and ideologies, then you know what? Subtly add them into the story. 
in a manner that right. never disrupts the immersion and never disrupts mm-hmm. the entertainment value. Stick it in that yeah. way. It takes talent, mm-hmm. I know, but that's how you can do oh, it. Sure. <laughs> and I think the reason why manga is is growing and just taking off like a rocket and growing exponentially while mm-hmm. American super comics are just cratering and cratering is because your average yeah. consumer wants escapism first and manga is all about escapism first. What do you think? I mean, I agree, especially, you know, nowadays with the pandemic going on, it's important to have, you know, an outlet. We can't go to the movies anymore. They're all streaming now and, you know, people are probably working their way through their Netflixes, just clicking on whatever. But, you know, the fact that the manga sales have gone up shows there is a market for this kind of stuff and it's just not being filled by what's being offered by Marvel and DC. It's, it's a shame. I mean, because the problem with most of the market being superhero comics is that like it should it should be like, oh my God, like there's escapist stuff everywhere, but they've they're not doing that. I mean we, we reviewed <laughs> it's enough. Like they're trying to be they're trying to add like all this other stuff from the all these other genres, like to make up the difference. And it's like, no, that's not Right. Is that what you're supposed to be? You're supposed to be, you know, fun and exciting right. and, and cool to look at yes. and stuff like that. We yeah. reviewed enough all new, all different titles a couple of years ago to to mm. for to get our fill on it. We we know exactly what we're talking about, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and once again, I I just I, I I don't mean to pick on them, but I think I think Marvel is a lot worse at this than DC is. Like, I agree. They. <laughs> they've never meant a bad idea they didn't throw everything at the wall to, to try to hit to the point where it's kind of embarrassing like it feels like an old white man saying what are the kids like they like them uh they like that uh, uh they like that hip-hop right well we should have uh the falcon be captain america now right like i don't think no, that i think peak marvel I think that follows was when they had the new warriors <laughs> with the characters safe space and uh snowflake yeah. That was, that was, that was, I think that's, that is, if you want to truly talk about performative wokeness, by the way, did that comic get published? No, it didn't. Because even Marvel was like, oh, everybody's making fun of us for yeah. safe even space they, and snowflake. Like, <laughs> this is too far. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuff like that where you're like, when you start legitimately thinking that's something you need to publish, you need to rethink what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was legitimately like, I mean, at least they stopped, but the fact that they got that far they that they got thought that it was far. a good idea was like, yes. what is wrong with you people? <laughs> like, I mean, DC does it too, but Marvel's is like... Oh, Marvel's worse. You just you just feel it like, wow, y'all are so desperate <laughs> right now. <laughs> and notice they don't do this in any of their movies. Well, at least yeah. not, not yet. Right. Most not of the yet. time they're still like, Iron Man's white, Captain America's white, Thor's still white. You know, and whatnot. And even though, you know, Natalie Portman is going to be Thor and, you know, it's only going to be for one movie. Right. He's right. still going to be in it. So yes, it's, of course. It's not it's not as bad. Um, <laughs> and it's like and that and that's not to say that, like, inherently making Sam Wilson, Captain America or Jane Foster Thor. It's not it's not a bad idea in theory. You know, you want to change it up. Sometimes. It's just not very it's creative. It's like, <laughs> right. It's not. Yeah, it's not it's not done well enough to justify yeah. Like I think when um, when Bruce Wayne died, yes, quote unquote, yes, and Dick Grayson took over, like they actually had some good stories where he was Batman. Yes, that was Bruce Wayne always going to be Batman to me, and ninety nine percent of the rest of the population, of course, he's going to be Batman. Yes, but they actually put some effort into trying to make it like 
you know, this is why we did this. We wanted to have an experiment with it and see what would happen. And it's like, okay. And then when Bruce Wayne came back, it's like, well, that was interesting. You know, we'll right. go back to Batman. But, you know, I still think that that Dark Mirror story that Scott Snyder did with Dick Grayson Batman yep. is really good. And yep. I read it every now and then because mm-hmm. it's just good stuff. Agreed. Because he wanted to make something good. He didn't want to, hey, we're right. shaking it up. Yes. Yes. Just put Batman in the blender and shake, shake, shake. Oh, let's see what happens. Yep. Yep. It's the worst. It's the kind of marketing that you would only get from from America, where yes. it's just a table full of white people and maybe one woman or one black person. It's like, all right, let's appeal to the masses, people. What what what, what do y'all like? Yes. And it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think um, having your comics, the characters in your comics, be representative while still being completely about escapism and entertainment are not mutually mm-hmm. exclusive. Yeah, of course. You can absolutely do both. Yeah. And for some reason, American <laughs> comics don't seem to think they can. I I, yeah. I don't get it. I do not get it. Mm-hmm. They do not seem to understand that we can have... So I can create a diverse cast of characters, and yet the story is all about escapism and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Where's my agenda? They don't I seem to get that. <laughs> Just look at Favreau and Filoni and The Mandalorian. Diverse cast, yeah. and yet the story is all about escapism and entertainment. Marvel and DC yeah. can absolutely have a nice, diverse cast of characters, a diverse selection of characters and titles, mm-hmm. and the stories can still be all about escapism and entertainment. That is 100% possible, and yet they don't seem to do that. I don't get the disconnect yeah. <laughs> there. I don't understand that disconnect. It's not that hard, I don't think. There's just smarter people working in TV and these days than um, I mean, let's be honest. Like the the talent for for producing and right. creating content has gone to Hollywood. They don't right. work in right, especially right. the television. You know, uh, movies still definitely have that that problem sometimes. Like I remember when uh, what was it? That latest Hellboy came out, and somebody was going to play a character that was half Asian in the comics. Yes, right. And they were like, it made a a big deal about it. I mean, I thought it was cool that the guy stepped aside and was like, you know, right. this means a lot to people Then I'll, you know, I'll step aside and let it. Now, did that make the movie any better? No, no because the movie was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that did not make the movie um, better. <laughs> most of the time with movies, it's more like they do have their target audiences. Like Tyler, oh, Tyler Perry makes his movies for yeah. an African-American audience. Yep. It's not, he's not trying to overreach his appeal. Like he knows his market. Movies do have his tar- market makes him a lot of money. Look, yeah. <laughs> John Wick targets what? John Wick is targeting males between the ages of sixteen mm-hmm. and thirty. Make no mistake about it. Yep. That's their target demographic. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Now a lot of other people may mm-hmm. like it. That's the target demographic, my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, you're right. They seem movies uh, seem to get it better. Movies mm-hmm. movies and TV shows seem to understand that we could have a representative cast and still have the story mm-hmm. be all about entertainment and escapism. And right. maybe it is the level of the talent creating the stories, Stephen. But when Marvel mm-hmm. when Marvel and DC do it, they seem to say, okay, we're going to have a representative cast, and it's going to all be about this social agenda. Like, no. Right. No, for example, Wonder Woman, the first movie, because we shall not be talking about the second movie, the first movie, Wonder Woman, the story wasn't all about... Women, 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 and women don't get paid enough, and women get discounted, and women do this. No, no. Yes, the main character is a female. The movie was all about mm-hmm. Wonder Woman being kick-ass, doing kick-ass things, and having an absolute awesome adventure. 
Right. Do that with the comic. It's not that hard. And I think that's a good Apparently description. it is. I, don't, but... I mean, look, go back to The Mandalorian. <laughs> Got Cara Dune and Fennec Shan, two kick-ass characters. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard, yep. did you have to hear them talk about how, oh, you know how men are, or, oh, girlfriend, we always discounted. No, no. no. <laughs> they show up. Girlfriend. They, they, they show up, they kick ass, they leave. <laughs> It's, when they go to brunch together, they talk right, about, you know, their husbands right, and whatnot. Right. I mean, it's like this can be done. And I feel like I don't understand why American comics, DC and Marvel can't figure this really simple thing out. Maybe it's who they're hiring or who they're stuck with as their talent. I don't yeah. know, Stephen. It just it doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just sad. There's an article on The Onion that someone posted. It was supposed to make fun of, like, you know, perf- performative people like this where the headline was it would be nice if Hodor turned to the camera once and said women's rights (laughs) (laughs) I'm like (laughs) I looked at that and I said I know this is supposed to be a joke but someone has said this before absolutely (laughs) just know it you know that has been published that has absolutely been published at some point (laughs) I can think of a few websites where that's probably already been an article somewhere yes yeah. Yes, you know it. Oh God, that's funny. All right, my friend. Well, I, I think yeah. I think this is an easy fix, Stephen. I think switching over to I think you can mm-hmm. easily again. Jap- Japan is not as diverse as we are, but I think you can easily have representative cast on mm-hmm. comic books that focus on escapism and entertainment, like manga does. I agree. The next difference, Stephen, and I think this is uh, an area where this is another big one where I think, and you alluded to it already where mm-hmm. American comics can learn from, from manga, and this will be a tough lesson to learn, but the self-contained story yeah. versus mm-hmm. remix culture. I think this yeah. is a big one, Stephen. I know American comics are all about the shared universe and characters that go on and on forever, but but mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Manga, it does have an advantage. Manga mm-hmm. has one writer slash artist for the entire life of the manga. That, that, mm-hmm. The mangaka creates his manga, and he works on it, and then yeah. when he's done with it, he's done with it. He ends it, and then mm-hmm. he moves on to an entirely new one. That's right. how it works. The That's advantage right. to this, Stephen, is the mangaka has very little oversight. Mm-hmm. They pretty much get to do whatever they want to do with their story. Mm-hmm. If it's good and sells... You know, a company like Shonen Jump is going to be like, yeah, you can be in our magazine. And if it doesn't sell, they're like, well, yeah. maybe you need to go uh, be on a webcomic instead. Yeah. <laughs> My point is, yeah. obviously, you got to produce. You got to sell. Duh. Sure. As far as what story they want to tell, the manga is free to do whatever they want. There is no oversight over mm-hmm. that. American comics, different story. Different story, yeah. especially with Marvel and DC, okay, which is the bulk yes. of all American comics. The difference here is the American comics... They have multiple writers and artists for the life of the comic. Think about how many writers have been on Batman. How many artists have been on Batman? Yeah. Tons. There is massive oversight on the creative team for Marvel and DC. The the mm-hmm. editorial staff and the publisher have quite a lot of oversight. And there are a lot of edicts yeah. that come from editorial and the publisher to the, to the creative mm-hmm. team on American comics. Right. This is a big difference. The the la- I do believe that the lack of oversight and the lack of editorial edicts from above allows mangakas to to deliver stories that simply are more 
innovative and unique than what you're going to get from Marvel and DC. Yeah. You know, I think manga is going to hit, hit higher heights because it's allowed to, 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 to go to deeper depths. It's allowed to go in different areas. It, it, that lack of Mm -hmm. oversight is huge, Steven. It's huge. Yeah. That's one of those things where, um, well, that's definitely a problem with Marvel and DC. Like that's what used to make like vertigo. So popular was that, you know, they let people tell their stories and didn't really interfere with, with the process. That's why image is so popular with writers nowadays Yeah, because, Hey, you know what? Like, uh, uh, Brian K Vaughn, he wants to do his, uh, weird trippy, like little space opera. It's like, okay, go for it. Go for it. Nobody's going to tell him to stop or whatnot. Um, if he wants to take a break, like I think he's doing right now, then he can do that. He'll come back and he'll still be like, all right, sounds great. Agreed. Let's go. See what happens. Nobody's ever going to write, no one's ever going to write a deadly class, but Rick Remender. Right. Which is, it's the appeal. It's why now, like that kind of thing for the writers, at least if they're looking more creatively, not for the financial aspect, like that's where they want to go. They don't want to be stuck at Marvel and DC for the rest of their lives. They want to go and do something that they want to do. Right. You know, at the comics, you know, as much as superhero comics, as much as like, you know, I mean, we all love like Spider-Man and Batman and Superman, but after a while, it's like, I kind of want to do something else. I am a writer. Right. That's right. You know, the other, di- the like other a, big manga, they don't have any of that at all. You know, they, there is no, well, there's Marvel and then there's image. There's, this is just what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. The other aspect is that the manga titles, they, they have set endings, Stephen, and they tell a self-contained story. I think this is huge. You know, the average yeah. the average lifespan for a manga is about mm-hmm. five years. So while there are, the, you have your exceptions, your One Pieces and your Naruto's that go on for thousands right. of chapters. They, they, that, <laughs> that is the exception. The average lifespan is yeah. around five years. Well, Stephen, this makes mm-hmm. manga easier to follow easier to consume, easier to hop onto. It just does. Mm -hmm. The average American comic, there's no set ending. Some American comics get published for decades and decades and decades. The overwhelming majority of American comic books take place in some sort of shared universe, which has its own inherent advantages and disadvantages, for sure. The fact these comics can go on for decades and decades makes them a lot harder to hop onto. You know, your average Marvel comic, for example, these comics, Iron Man or Thor or Captain America or Avengers or whatever, they've been going on forever. They have this amazing, dense continuity of this shared universe. They're hard to jump onto. They're hard to attract new readers. It is really Mm -hmm. impenetrable. The strengths of a shared universe are also its weaknesses. Right. These long-running comics that go on for decades, continuity can be a plus. It can also be a real detriment as well. I yeah, think absolutely. I think the fact that manga is has is a self-contained story and they don't go on forever. I think that's another huge advantage that manga has compared mm-hmm. to. I, mean, I definitely agree because, like, I think most people are kind of designed to be like, okay, if I'm going to pick up Superman, mm-hmm. then I want to know what happened before and what's going to come after. Right. If I tell people like, hey, you know, there's this really cool um, comic, you know, this uh, arc of Spider-Man or something. It's like, well, mm-hmm. what about before that? And I have to explain to them, well, you don't have to know, per se. Mm-hmm. Like, they might reference some stuff. And it's kind of confusing to them because, like, it's like, well, it's a, it's a story, right? It's a long story. And I'm like, eh. depends. Right, right. You know? Yeah. If it's, you know, if we're talking about, like, Dan Slott, then, yeah, it's one long, giant story. But right. if we're talking about you know, hopping from writer to writer to arc to arc, then 
it's not really. Mm-hmm. And that can be confusing for some people. I think yeah. I mean, I've, I've had conversations with people where they literally just didn't get it. That it's like, but what about this? Like, no, it's it, now for me personally, I like it because it means, well, if something is terrible, I don't have to read that. <laughs> I can just go to the right. next one. Right. Um, the comic that made me stop buying comic books, Superman, that JMS Superman. Oh, I don't God. have to read that ever again to understand. Oh, that was terrible. Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I know. I'm, oh, I'm I having PTSD right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make myself forget. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You can't unsee certain things. Super- yeah, I still see Superman uh, quoting Thoreau in my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But um, I know it's anecdotal, of course. But my experience with people is that I think they they think of it like you know the way like a, a movie series yeah, or right. a book series goes, mm-hmm. where there's one, and there's another, and then there's another, and you have mm-hmm. to. It's better to know everything. Yeah. Yep. Than not, where like you know, if Mon- with manga because there is no rebooting or changing the issue number or whatnot. Like if you start at one and you go right. to, I think full one alchemist is 120. Yeah. Then that's all you need to read. It's just one to 120 and that's it. You're done. Is it? I say it's not daunting looking at Superman 1045 and going, yes. Oh my God, like that's so much stuff. Yes. <laughs> I agree. That is intimidating and a put off yeah. for a lot of people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All this leads into the, obvious issue of remix culture because the never ending nature of these American comics, the fact that they're around forever, the fact that they change creative teams all the time, the fact that there's no beginning, middle and end, it leads to a remix culture, right? It does because you're Mm -hmm. having creative teams, follow creative teams, follow creative teams on these titles that go on forever and ever and ever. And they're like, well, what do we do? And meanwhile, Mm -hmm. you still have the editorial edicts from above that you can only do certain things. The result right. of this is this remix culture of American comics. These heroes, these American heroes have been around forever. They don't die, okay? Mm-hmm. They don't die. Even if you think they're dead, right. they're not dead. They come back. They go on forever. Yeah, even if they're dead, ever. they're not dead. No, think about it. <laughs> Superman first appeared, Stephen, in 1937, and he's still yeah. going on. Batman first appeared in 1939, mm-hmm. still going on. <laughs> Captain America first appeared in 1941, still going on, going okay? On. Yeah, uh, you you just you don't see that in manga. Every once in a while, mm-hmm. Marvel will refresh or reboot a title to keep things "quote unquote" fresh, right? Bucky becomes yeah. Captain America. Captain America becomes, you know, Mister Hydra. Uh, Falcon becomes Captain America. You know, DC does the same thing with Batman. Break his back. Have Dick Grayson become Batman. Have Batman have a son. Yeah. Have Batman get married. Have Batman die and travel through time. Stories get reskinned repeatedly. Reboots and retcons are constant and never ending. Mm-hmm. There's also the use of quote unquote legacy heroes that usually just make minimal right. changes. Minimal changes to the character, like sex or ethnicity, and then allow the character to be remixed and repackaged for the consumer with the appearance of something new, when in reality it's nothing more than regurgitated and recycled material. Right. As a result of this remix culture on these never-ending titles, the continuity can become a complete mess. You've got Mm -hmm. a constant rotation of people at the writer position and over decades and decades of remixing and regurgitating, the continuity becomes a mess and it can become impenetrable for a reader to hop in on the title. Manga just doesn't have this problem with remix culture. One Piece... You know what? It's Luffy. 
searching for the treasure. That's what it's been since mm-hmm. it debuted in 1997. That's what it's going to be yep. when it ends. Okay, <laughs> it just it's it, that's what it, mm-hmm. you know. Dragon Ball is Goku looking how to train and level up and become more powerful than the next fighter. That's what it's been since the start. That's what it'll be at the end. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Manga it will run for as long as it can run, as long as the mangaka yeah. has a story in his or her head to tell. Mm-hmm. That's how long it will last, or as long as it's selling well enough to be published. Okay, those two factors will dictate right. <laughs> how long it will how long it will last. And then when either the manga runs out of ideas or the comic's not selling anymore, it concludes the story mm-hmm. and it is done. Yeah. It is finito. And maybe it gets a spinoff. That could happen. It could get yeah. a spinoff. That's about it. Uh, yeah. Manga Cub, they don't usually replace their protagonists in their stories like American comics do. Mm -hmm. You don't have that kind of replace and remix the character. Goku's the main character of Dragon Ball, and then it ends. Luffy's the main character of One Piece, and then it ends. Naruto's the main character of Naruto, and then it ends. It's just how it is. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) I think the remix culture aspect is going to be hard to cure with Mm -hmm. Marvel and DC because of how they are set up in their shared universes with titles that they never want to cancel with characters that want to keep going forever. But the problem is at some point, nobody cares anymore and no one's buying your comic anymore because we've all read it and seen it before. And your fresh changes aren't fresh. Yeah. I mean, you alluded to the fact in, in, in part one of this discussion in the last episode that Marvel's rolling out Heroes Reborn again. What? I mean, are you kidding me? Heroes Reborn, a failed concept Mm -hmm. from the 90s, Stephen. A absolute failure in the 90s. And we're bringing it back. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. It's never never ending. And I'm not too sure what what the solution is here. That's one of the things. Like, I don't think doing something like this, this future state initiative, it's not, it's not a bad idea. Like, if it was to like, okay, well, you know, we've done Superman for a hundred years. Why don't we take a break, you know, let him rest for a little bit, do some other kind of story in the same universe with, you know, some of these characters um, possibly. Um, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think it's a good way to avoid character. It's what they do with the movies, you know, right. like if there's too many Bond films coming out, like one after another, after another, then, there's a break. Yep. And by the time, you know, two or three years go by, it's like, wow, I wonder where's, I haven't seen a James Bond movie in a while. It's like, oh, well, there's another one coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. So you don't get sick of it. You know, there's, right. there is such a thing, I think, as, um, because of the way comics operate, it's just like, like, you're right. It's just like, how many times are we going to do this again? How many times <laughs> yes. is Superman going to, Fight Lex Luthor yes. over the city. Yes. And, you know, how many times is Spider-Man the Green Goblin going to fight over the Empire State Building or whatever? It's like, it's just, after a certain point, it's impossible to to just keep trying to do this, but do it a little differently. You know? Right. And I think another problem is that because these comics are owned by um, giant corporations who are trying to profit off of them in the movies... That they, they're just IP farms, you know, like if they right. create a new character, the idea is, well, can we make a toy out of it? Can we put it in a movie? Can we have its own TV show? Right. Um, how much money is it going to make us? It's not, well, what does this character add to this mythology that 
you know, is being created. It's like, well, that's cool and all, but, you know, we kind of want to make like a thousand toys and sell them all at our parks. So where's Mm -hmm. that at? (laughs) Manga is free from that. They're just, they're, they're just, they're telling their story. Mm -hmm. Manga is not IP form. It's not an IP form. The way Marvel and DC is an IP form. It's sad. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, we can give Batman a break for a little bit. Right. You know, publish right. a title about about the Robins or about right. uh, Batgirl or something and just let them kind of – he's still around, but right. you don't have to see him for right. six months or so. And then when he comes back, he'll be like, oh, hey, it's Batman again. That's fun. Right. Or whatnot. It's just – and that's what the I think that's what the 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 killing off of the characters like that's partially what I think it those is. are all about. It's dumb to us because we all know they're coming back, right? But I wish they they wouldn't have to be so dramatic about it. It's just like, yeah, well, you know, we're trying to find some new cool stuff for Batman to do, so right. we're just gonna move him off the table right now. But he'll come back, you know, mm-hmm. eventually. But when he does, it'll be really fun and exciting and. We'll have all new stuff for you. But they don't want to do that because they don't want to admit, yeah, we've run out of ideas. You're so, right. You're right. So here's Heroes Reborn. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what about, I have, I, have, I have two ideas to bounce off you then. And maybe sure. these are too radical, would never work in America. And if you think they're, they wouldn't, shoot them down, by all means, shoot them down. So here's one all of right. them. What if you took the future state approach? Now, each of the future mm-hmm. state comics, from what I understand, because I'm not reading them, but Kevin has filled me in, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm reading his reviews. So uh, from what I understand, sure. these, these characters all exist on different Earths in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So yeah. these characters are not on, uh, not on the Earth that we know and love, the main DCU. Yeah. What if you did this? What if for a year or two, Batman is all about the Batman of Earth-23? And then for a year mm-hmm. or two, Batman's the Batman comic is about the Batman of Earth 82. Or, well, there's not 82 Earths, but 52. And then mm-hmm. it's a year or two later, it's Batman of Earth 10. And you just continually hop yeah. around to the Batman. And, and, and you can return periodically, maybe you can return to the main DCU Batman. Right. But you're, mm-hmm. you're constantly moving around to the other Earths Batman. What do you yeah. think about doing that? Because that's kind of what future state is. What do you think about doing that on an ongoing basis, though, and just kind of popping around from planet to planet every year or two, whatever? Well, as a reader or somebody who's who would like to see new stuff, I think that would be it. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, now, from a marketing perspective, I think I would be concerned that it would confuse the hell out of people. Uh, I feel <laughs> like they point. have to to like market it as you know a. a Earth such and such story, Batman, okay. and then right. probably have it so he looks different, so they can kind of identify. Oh, it's not, it's not and, this Batman. And what you can do Batman. is like um, all, all, all yeah. the DC comics will take place in that Earth. So for for twenty twenty two, all DC comics are on Earth ten, and then twenty twenty three, they're all in Earth twenty three, and then you see what I'm saying. I think that would be a little neat, a neat little exercise because they have to like meet and plan on how are they going to do this and basically like tell 12, 12 issue arcs for each of these characters that have a beginning, middle, and an end. That would be kind of neat. It'd be a cool little creative exercise for sure. I bet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, you know, you have to, you have to let, you have to make the audience miss your character sometimes, you know, that right. way 
um, oh, hey, you know, Kal-El is, is returning as Superman, you know, in such and such. It builds anticipation. Right. What, do I think that would work economically? I don't know. I mean, at this point, they don't really have anything to lose. Cause, they don't. You know, they're, it's, they're just cratering anyway. Yeah. yeah. What about okay. this one? This is my it second works. one. So if the average lifespan of a manga title is five years, let's take the five-year mm-hmm. lifespan. What about this? Mm-hmm. You keep the stories set in the main DCU or, or the 616 universe that we know and love, but every five years, you wipe the slate clean and start over again. Or maybe every 10 years, you wipe the slate clean and you start all over again. Same, It's going to be the same same shared universe, same 616 universe. You're just hitting the restart and you're starting all over again. That way you don't have this continuity that lasts forever and you have an opportunity to to do something different. And that way, you know, you have a beginning, you have a, you have a contained story. You know, the story is going to last for either five years or 10 years, whichever you decide. Mm -hmm. And then start over again. That's a good question. I mean, 10 years is a long time. So there's a lot you can do. Yes. And then, and then start over. For me, what I would do after 10 years is maybe like publish a bunch of year one titles that update everything. And then after that, like, but it's still Tony Stark, but now we're in, you've already seen the changes that have been made. Right. It is different, but you know, it's recognizable, but there enough is different that it is kind of, it is kind of new, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you could do that. Yeah. Cause it would be like a, every 10 years, it'd be like a massive, you can do like a big crisis thing or something. And, right. You know, you have 10 years to plan out what you're going to do. Right. With it. Just try to think mm-hmm. outside the box. Cause they have to do something. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's realistic to say, well, just don't publish Batman every year. Well, that's, you know, that's, AT&T's yeah, not going to do that. You know, Marvel's not going to say, oh, yeah, let's not publish a Wolverine comic this year. Oh, heaven forbid they could. Tom, I know. Tom Brugman would have a heart attack. I know, seriously. So I'm trying to uh, work in a way that would, <laughs> the, the suits at Marvel and DC would be okay with my proposal. You might have a harder time selling it at DC because they're very much about their their long-standing continuity. That's true. And sometimes it's sometimes it, it helps. Like I think, but you have to give it to people who know what they're doing with it. Yes. Like Scott Snyder or um, Jeff Johns. Yeah. And, um, like and they know. Neither of them are DC story. anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's part. Of, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel's problem, I think, is is a little different, but I think they I think they'd probably be more open. To, I mean, they did the Ultimate Universe after all. Yeah, they did. Um, and the problem with that is they just let it run for too long. See, that confirms yeah. my proposal that you should limit it. Hypothesis. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. I think that could work. Yeah, and like if they they don't have to junk everything specifically after right. the ten year jump, they can always. They can always bring some stuff back. It's just like, okay, how are we going to do it differently? Right. It's kind of like writing, you know, seasons of a television show where it's like, all right, what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you do like a, well, I don't want to say like a reboot, but it's like, you know, you're doing like a new showrunner takes over. It's like, all right, what are we going to do this season mm-hmm. with this stuff? Mm-hmm. See, I think that could, I think that could work uh, because there's such a, a big time span that, by the time, you know, anybody says, hey, we've seen this before, it's like it's already been like 10 years, right. so it doesn't, exactly. doesn't really matter. Right. It's built for a new generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you could tailor it really to the yeah. next generation each time. Yeah, that's right. The, Those generations uh, are about 10 years. So. Right, right. Right, exactly. Yeah. 
those are the areas I think manga could teach American comics a lesson in terms of how they mm -hmm. are created, how they are written, yeah. how they are marketed. Uh, when you're looking at the genres and diversity of the titles, the target audience, how they handle adult themes, politics and social agendas, self-contained stories versus remit culture. Those are all the creative side of yeah, from the creative side, how American comics can learn from manga, right? Now let's look at the yeah. business side and how can American comics learn from the business <laughs> side of manga? Because I think the last two things we're going to touch on that are, you know, the last three things we're going to touch on are on the business side <laughs> are equally important yeah. as any of the creative oh, aspects. Sure. Just like any form of media. Mm -hmm. You got to have the business and the creative side. And on the business side, Stephen... Let's look at the physical mm -hmm. print costs and distribution between American comics and manga. American comics, yeah. they crank out a single floppy comic consisting of 20 to 22 pages that runs between 4 to $5. Most DC and Marvel comics cost about 20 to 22 cents per story page. The trade paperbacks mm -hmm. run between $7 to $20 for something in between yeah. 100 to 200 pages. And then you have deluxe editions and omnibuses. That can range from thirty five mm -hmm. bucks all the way up to a hundred dollars for anything in between three hundred and four hundred pages. Now, on the other hand, you have manga. A single manga volume is ten bucks and offers you two hundred pages of content. New manga volumes mm -hmm. giving you roughly two cents per page, something like that. You've got mm -hmm. manga volumes available literally everywhere, Stephen. You can go to bookstores, little bookstores, yep. medium chain bookstores big box bookstores. Mm -hmm. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Target. You can go to buy it online at Amazon. <laughs> I mean, you can get it everywhere. Whereas for American yeah. comics, you're looking at local comic shops for your floppy and some trades and hardcovers at bookstores. You can buy manga right. at far more places than you can a floppy. And I think that's a big deal. I think that's really important is the local comic shop, you know, method of cranking out your floppies may have made sense back in the day when they first started doing it, but I think that was a miscalculation on their part. Getting comics out of the magazine rack, I think, was a bad idea. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's like a lot of things with these industries. It's incredibly short-sighted. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how to plan out a long-term, like, strategy for the, for the future, not just, like, the next 10 years, but the next 20 years, 30 years, whatnot. And, and it happens all the time. The record industry did this, of course, um, famously so. And Blockbuster, stuff like that. They did, did not prepare well for anything digital to come out. Yep. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, I have gone into Walmart, and I've seen manga, like, in their little their little book section. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, yeah. it's very yeah. – I wasn't expecting to see this here. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I remember like they had this big thing like, all right, oh Marvel, they're gonna have some stuff in uh, in Walmart now, and it's like it's graphic novels, and they're shoved back into the corner somewhere. You got it. And I'm like, okay, well, if somebody's gonna buy video games or a movie, they might see it. Maybe. Yeah. But probably won't. Right. I mean, the obvious answer is to well, we just gotta put it in more places. But right. I don't know. I don't. I think. I think that ties into what my my analysis of like what the biggest problem is, but it's definitely something that they could try. It wouldn't hurt. Yes, you know, and to the, just put it in front of more eyes. Right. You know? And the cost difference I mean, is, is striking, Stephen. I mean, you're paying four yeah, to five bucks, is. four to five bucks for twenty to twenty two pages. 
when I can get 200 yeah. pages for $10 with a volume mm-hmm. of manga. And the, vi- the, the yep. manga cranks out the volumes faster than DC and Marvel crank out the trade paperbacks, and they give you more content for the... You, just, you get way more content for the dollar when you buy manga than you do when mm-hmm. you're buying floppies. Way more. Yeah. And they're even a better buy than when you Absolutely. buy trades. In this day and age, Stephen... A lot of competition for your entertainment dollar, mm-hmm. and manga. Yeah, manga is just is a better bang for your buck. It just is. Because uh, I remember we used to talk about this, about this all the time. It's like, well, what are you getting with a comic for five bucks? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, for the cost of two comics, you could pay for a movie ticket. You know, the game, video games. Um, depending on when you buy them, some of them could be like thirty bucks. Yep. They're on sale. Some of them are sixty bucks. And it's like, well, most of the time you're going to get several hours worth of entertainment, sometimes 30 plus mm-hmm. of entertainment. I think video games are kind of underselling themselves, if yes. I'm being honest with you. Yes. But it's still, it's more of a value. You're getting a lot more for your buck. Well, if you went to the comic book shop, you could buy 12 comics and have that, or mm-hmm. you could go to GameStop and buy a video game mm-hmm. and you'd be playing that for weeks. Yeah. Possibly forever, depending on what kind of a game it is. Right. But you know, it's the cut. What's it? The cost value proposition, cost reward proposition. That's right. It? You That's know right. what I'm talking about. It's it's one of those things that like whoever prices these things has yeah. not taken that into account. Oh, yeah, I, I totally. Yeah. I mean, look, come on. I, well, I'm, I'm going to buy two floppies for the same price I can buy a, a, a 200 page volume of manga. Well, that's crazy. Right. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Not going to do that. Well, this problem, <laughs> Stephen, extends beyond the publishing of the physical books into the yeah. digital services as well, Stephen. And this is, again, where manga really separates itself from American comics. When you mm. look at digital services and costs, it's it's striking. Viz Media, with their online distribution, has really helped supercharge manga in, in competing mm. against American comics. No doubt about it. It helped increase sales to younger yeah. readers who don't need to rely on their parents driving them to a, a store to buy the manga because they can get it right there right. on their computer or their iPad, whatever, immediately. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. American comics have really struggled, Stephen, in the digital services area. They've relied on their own proprietary services as well as comicsology to get their digital mm-hmm. comics out. And this is what you have for the American side of things, Stephen. You have DC Universe Infinite. That started in the mm-hmm. summer of 2021. It costs eight dollars right. a month. Okay, it's seven ninety nine. It's eight bucks a month. Yeah. And what you get for eight bucks a month is twenty, uh, slightly over twenty four thousand comics from DC Vertigo, DC Black, and Milestone Media. This also mm-hmm. includes DC Universe Infinite exclusives and back issues. Right. Uh, it also includes digital first titles, Stephen, that are available. In their words, not mine, just three months after the release date. Wow. It also includes, in their words, not mine, Stephen. (laughs) Not my words, theirs. New titles just six months after print release date. Really? You're going to call something new when it's six months after it was released in print? That is pathetic, Stephen. That's pathetic. Then you look at Marvel Unlimited, their digital service, it is $9.99 a month, so it's $10 a month. And what do you get? Almost the same as DC. DC's offering you a little over 24,000. Marvel's offering you a little over 28,000 comics. It includes, Marvel Unlimited includes new titles 
as soon as, Stephen, that's important, as soon as three months after print release date. So the earliest you're going to get is three months, but it could be four, five, six, or whenever. Then, of course, you have Comixology Unlimited, which is six bucks a month for over 25,000 comics from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, and others. All right, that is the American side of things, right, Stephen? Let's compare this to what the manga <laughs> publishers. I'm going to focus on just the two biggest ones, all right? That would be, for us, you've got Shonen Jump and Kadansha. They're, they're big ones. Kadansha, they have simultaneous publication, Stephen. Digital manga can be mm -hmm. purchased at the same time the print manga is released on Crunchyroll, Comixology, Bookwalker, and Amazon Kindle. Simultaneous, oh. Stephen. You've got Shonen Jump. <laughs> what a novel idea. <laughs> I know. You've got Shonen Jump Digital. That costs mm -hmm. you a buck ninety-nine a month. Two dollars. What do you get? Mm -hmm. You get over ten thousand chapters of manga. The manga is released, Stephen, in digital format at the same time the print version is released. The last I'm gonna go over the big ones, Crunchyroll. It costs you $7.99 a month, so eight bucks. Mm -hmm. And you get manga from multiple different publishers. You get back issues as well as simul pubs when the digital version yeah. is released at the same time as the print edition. And for that eight dollars a month, you're also getting anime that is released one hour after the Japan airing. <laughs> so, Steven, those are your options. Yeah. So you're telling me I mm -hmm. can, for the pleasure of eight dollars a month from DC. I get some of their back issues and new comics six months after they're released. Digital first, three months after they're released. Yeah. And for That's, Marvel, I'm going to pay wow. 10 bucks a month, and I'm going to get mm -hmm. new titles as soon as three months after print release date. On the other <sighs> hand, Stephen, for $2, and I have the Shonen Jump digital service. It's Stephen, it's fantastic. How can you beat it? For mm -hmm. 2 bucks a month, Stephen... <laughs> I get all the manga I the manga I can read, and it's released in digital the same day the prints at the same time the print <laughs> is released. Yeah. Two dollars a month, or you get Crunchyroll mm -hmm. where it's all different publishers same time as the print is released, plus the anime an hour after it's released in Japan for eight bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Eight bucks a month that's less than Marvel the same price as DC <laughs> right? And Shonen yeah. Jump two dollars is is a fraction of. DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited. And I'm getting the stuff the same time the print's released. It's not even close, Stephen. In my book, at least, it's not mm -hmm. close. Manga is just slaughtering, yeah. slaughtering Marvel and DC in the digital marketplace. Just mm -hmm. It's not close. What do you think? We've been having this discussion a lot recently about, uh, about digital stuff. I don't understand what it is about American companies that they are so resistant to this. I think it's because they fear the lack of control putting everything in, out there digitally for ease of access. Yep. It's really sad. I mean, it's of course, it's not just comic books that are doing this. Um, you know, the big fight about HBO Max and whatnot. And now, even though everybody want every studio wants to get out of the, the theater system, they're so afraid to do so that, you know, it's like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're never going to do that. It's e ease of access. It yep. shouldn't be that difficult to say, no. you know, if we make it easier for people to get our stuff, Yep. Then they will probably get our stuff. Look, the, the big fear I, I understand I've never under, yeah, is good. piracy. 
I, I get that. And, and yeah. a lot of people sure. back in the day before manga made all these big strides in the digital arena, back in the day, the big thing mm-hmm. on manga was, look, it's never going to grow because of piracy, because you can get manga scans online all over the place. It's never going to grow. It's not going to work. Well, no, that's that's not true. The fact is, and this has been shown time and time mm-hmm. again, Stephen, people, if you provide them a quality digital service at a quality price, people would much rather buy it from you legally than go through the hassle of pirating it. That is a fact. And this is proof. <laughs> yeah. The massive success of manga in this country is proof of that. That is how people are. People don't want to have to go through the machinations of pirating something. I got to go get a VPN software. Then I got to run it. Then I got to know where yeah. to go. Then I got to download it. Then I got to blah, 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 blah. If you offer them a good price, a good service at a good price, people are going to pick that over pirating nine times out of 10. And the proof is manga's financial success over here. That's people are that way. Yeah, I agree. So I, I so I think you're right that Mar- Marvel and DC, these companies are worried about control. Well, if we mm-hmm. go digital, people are just going to... Yeah. No, no. If you did same time simultaneous releases of your digital comics with your print comics, I- I'm telling you they would sell more. They would get more subscribers. Yeah. The price is too high. Absolutely. It just is. I mean, look, if I, if Crunchyroll can offer me all they're offering me for eight bucks and Shonen Jump can do it for two bucks a month, then I'm sorry, ten and eight dollars from DC and Marvel. That's just too expensive. And it's yeah, it absolutely too expensive for the pathetic offering they're giving us now with the big gap in time between the print release and the digital release. Why would you pick these services? Yeah. This is an area where I really of all the things we've talked about, Stephen, of all the things mm-hmm. that American comics can learn from manga. This might be their biggest lesson, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really might be. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> I mean, we, can, we can point to all the creative yeah. differences that American comics are failing at compared to manga, but the, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Stephen, a lot of it is about money and costs right. and access. Yep. It just is. Mm-hmm. Manga has figured out how to keep things affordable how to keep themselves competitive for your entertainment dollar and how Mm -hmm. to give you ease of access with their digital services. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I know there's a certain generation that's like, oh, you can't read a comic online. You can't read a comic on an iPad. Yes, you can. It's perfectly fine. I have zero problem doing Mm -hmm. it. I read all my manga on my big iPad Pro. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. It's convenient. I love it. There's a whole generation of Americans, Stephen, who are perfectly fine getting all of their content from the world of so manga and comics online. Getting everything digitally. I mean, that's that's the way it is. They buy the music digitally. They'll stream movies. They watch their TV shows the day after on um, Hulu or whatnot. It's just, that's the way it, everything's going now. It's it's just this, I don't understand this resistance to, to it, honestly, because look at their numbers, like the, the money that they make. And it's like, yeah, they got that off of offering a, uh, two ninety nine service, or they, or something like that. If people want the print book, then have that available as an option. There might be a lot of people who still want that. But sure, you shouldn't be limiting the op- option of the consumer. You know, no, it's not just at all. Not, it's just dumb. I, <laughs> Most people like convenience, especially I, these days. You know, when yeah. going to the bookstore might kill you. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> 
That's a good point. That is a fair I mean, it's point. Just, it's, a, it's a fact, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. And I look, and, and, and yeah. often you'll make double the money on people because there are certain manga titles, Stephen, that I read on Shonen mm-hmm. Jump, but I really want in print too. That I, right. I, I yeah. for my own collection, you know, like I have, yeah, I have all the Dragon Ball volumes. Well, I'm going to continue to get Dragon Ball Supra in print format, even though I'm reading it mm-hmm. on my iPad when it oh, comes my. out. Every, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of people like that. I'm not the only one. I can't be. <laughs> yeah. So for me, Stephen, of mm-hmm. all, for, for all these of all these things that we've gone over, I would like for you to p- pick for me, and we'll go over them: the genre slash diversity of all the offerings. The way they target the audience, the way they handle adult mm. themes, social agendas, and politics, the self-contained story versus remix culture, the physical print cost and distribution, and then the digital services and costs. Give me mm. all these things. What are the top three for you that really, really they got to focus, American Comics got to focus in on? I think the biggest thing is uh, is distribution, is getting on board the digital the digital train, not these half these half-assed efforts that they've been doing. They really need to to just get it out there. Stop trying to gouge everybody for their money. You know, recognize what you're offering people. Right. Like know your value. Yep. And then people will start start investing in that again. People don't like to be fed a product that's not worth it. You know. Yeah. Like, nobody's gonna buy a ticket to a movie if the tickets for twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not gonna. Absolutely right. not. Right. You can take the most diehard like Marvel fanboy. Say, oh yeah, better example because this actually happened when Disney did that little uh, pay to watch scheme with Mulan. Yes. This summer. Right. Right. Or last summer for thirty dollars. Right. Well, we saw how well that worked out for them. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, it's not a good movie. So no. <laughs> I'd be paying thirty bucks for crap. Right. And then not even a month later, it's on the other PVOD services for cheaper. Yes. Or it's going to be on Disney Plus in three months anyway. Why am I going to show out there? They're doing that same thing with that animated movie, the Ray and the Last Dragon. So it's be yes. the next Disney princess or whatever. And they're going to charge you 30 bucks. Yes. To watch it. Whereas they didn't charge like, you for Pixar's new movie, Soul. I guarantee you more people mm-hmm. watch Soul than they did Mulan. Oh, yeah. Guarantee it. It probably drove more subscribers, for sure. You know, oh, they want to see abs- the new Pixar movie, you know? I'm very confident of that, yeah. But that's just what it is. Now, like, Disney recognizes the value of its streaming service. They may over-evaluate some of their, their product that they're putting on the service, but they know this is the future. They want yep. They may want to play footsie with the theaters right now because everybody's all in a huff about, about Warner Brothers and whatnot, but right. they may the right decision Warner Brothers did. They did it the wrong yeah. way. Agreed. But they know this is this is what's going to happen going forward, and they have they all have to get out ahead of it um, because otherwise, if somebody's going to take a hit, and it's going to be a long, slow way to the dodo. <laughs> yeah. So I think I honestly think that's probably the biggest the biggest thing that needs to change, and they all have to get on board with it. It's not just Marvel and DC. And yeah. I don't see Image doesn't have any options for that. I no, don't think they don't. I don't know if Boom does or or Dark Horse does, but they all have to get get yes, on board. We, they just they just accept accept the inevitable. Yeah, no, you're right. We focused on DC <laughs> and Marvel because they have it, the but two it's big. True, you know. Yeah, DC and Marvel have the two yeah. big services, but you're right. The other publishers aren't doing anything either in America. Stop seeing it as this end end of days kind of thing. Like, see the green in it. There is money to be made here. Yep. The problem, of course, I think is that there's too many old people in yep. charge of these yep. places. They mm-hmm. just don't want to. They're scared. 
they don't want to change. They're scared of the, of the future and whatnot. And it's like, well, you could either roll with it or you could become blockbuster for um, the or the record companies. Right. I think the second biggest thing is oddly enough, still more uh, business is that I think they need, really need to work on uh, targeting, like creating products that target, you know, the different demographics of people. Yep. Agreed. Um, there is nothing wrong with having titles that are just for kids, titles mm. that are just for adult men, just Mm-mm. for adult women. Mm-mm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what everybody does. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what other studios do. Yep. That's what um, bookmaking companies, that's what TV production companies yeah. do. There's nothing wrong with doing nope. that. Nope. It's just you have to do it well. That's right. <laughs> it's like if you're not going to do it well, then don't do it at all because that's that's going to that's gonna lose money in the future because when you try to do it right, no one's going to want to to hop on with you. That's right. And the third, third biggest one. <laughs> so that's kind of tough. So I think that actually would solve most of the problem. My, my biggest thing is that, and this, I guess this is just more creative is I just wish that they would, they would recognize, you know, what they are, you know, stop. Right. If you're a superhero comic, don't take yourself so seriously. Yes. Like, play to the genre that you're, that you're in, you know, yes. if you're a science fiction title, lean into science fiction. Right. If you're, a superhero title, lean into that. Stop trying to be. Yes. I hate saying that because it sounds like, you know, oh, you're just a superhero. It's like, no, there's a lot of room to operate in these yes. genres to make it more than just, oh, a man in a funny costume punches another guy in a funny costume. There's right. lots of ways to do a good superhero title. Yes. But you don't need to get like super political or right. embarrassingly like, oh, look how woke we are. We know what the kid's like. Right. Just, just be the best of what you're trying to do. Yes. I think. Yeah, no, Stephen, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. You, you cl- Clearly, you're sharing the same brain as I am because the top three you picked <laughs> were exactly my top three as well and in the exact same order as well. That's the creepy, scary part of all this. You're in my head. How did you do this? Because, yeah, my number one is digital services. I agree with everything you said. They got to get that right. They got to get the right price point. They got to do simultaneous publications. You got to embrace the digital. Do not be scared. Do not manage your business scared because that's what they're doing. Just like you, my number two is Properly target audiences. It is okay to target audiences. It is fine. Mm-hmm. Comics that target teenage boys. Comics that tar- target men over 20. Comics that target middle-aged women. I don't care. Comics that target yeah. teenage <laughs> girls. I could care. Whatever. Know your target audiences. Market to target audiences. That's perfectly fine and acceptable. It's okay. It's going to help you succeed. I'm right there with you, Stephen. That's the number two for me as well. And number three... Same order as yours, because we're sharing the same brain today, is be who you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. It's okay, man. You're superhero comics. You are superhero yeah. genre. That is a beautiful genre. It is all about fun. It is all about mm-hmm. excitement. It's all about adventure. Can it be silly? Mm-hmm. No doubt. Can it be irreverent? Yeah. Of course. And it's okay <laughs> if it is. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Not every comic needs to be the Dark Knight. Not every comic needs to be the Watchman. Okay? That's it's right. okay to have fun. Be escapist first. And you're right. All the performative stuff, you don't need it because it doesn't help you. It's not fun. It's not what you are. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with Steven. Excellent. All right, my friend. There you go. We solved all the problems for American comic books now. They can run out and start <laughs> making money immediately, right? They can run out and make money right now. 
Just listen to us. Boom. Make That's the right. I still think my biggest, the biggest problem, I think Amer- American culture is still, you know, unfairly prejudiced against comic books. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I do. I think, I think they are. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's, it's a, it's a strong terminology, you know, pre- prejudice. <laughs> Ooh, Steven, but, bringing um, it. <laughs> That's a bold, a bold take. I know. Um, <laughs> I think that some of these these solutions that we've come up with, you know, can alleviate that because yeah. if you have two dollars a month to or or three dollars or whatever to access a digital service and you have all these comics available to you, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to to give it a shot, like it, find something yeah. that you do enjoy. Think about the money that you're going to make from doing this. It's not, you're not losing control of the market. You're growing your market. You're making it more available to people Mm -hmm. who will spend their money on it. Mm. We've seen it. That's what, that's what Monk is experiencing right now. People will obviously want this stuff. Mm -hmm. So give it to them. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to hide behind this well you know the traditional ways we do things this way i'm sorry yeah exactly (laughs) we do them this way because this is how we've always done them (laughs) right Uh, okay then uh we'll we'll check in with the theaters in five years and see how they're they're doing with with tradition Uh, 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 yes let's be let's be real here you know right Uh, it it just bothers me it should be so obvious like just look at all these businesses that failed because they sucked your tradition yeah and it's like you're not going to be the exception i i sorry totally (laughs) totally agree we'll see steven we'll see how yes we will we'll see how the future is for american comic books i don't know i'm a little worried about marvel and dc i'm a little worried i'm a little more worried for dc than marvel at the moment I'm very yeah. worried for DC at the moment. Things do not appear to be mm-hmm. going very well. Disney seems to be okay subsidizing Marvel to a point. I don't think that's going to last much longer. I think the, mm. I mean, they've they've done well enough, mm-hmm. but I think going forward, they're probably going to start trimming. That way, if something like this ever happens again, they're not completely cut flat, caught flat-footed. Right. What do you think about uh, DC? And, you know, mm-hmm. you think DC is going to be uh, alive and well in another couple of years? Or do you think there's a chance DC might end up being something that's licensed out by AT&T? It might just be that way. I'm not going to say that, that that that's not a possibility. What I think personally is that I think it's going to be, you're going to have a skeleton crew operating as the editorial and have a bunch of writers for hire yeah. do this stuff. Right. Specifically right. for the purpose of stuff for movies and TV. Right, right. You know, people that they control, that they're, because comics and movies, they're not very similar businesses, mm-hmm. and they want somebody who knows how to handle brands right, to do right. this stuff, which is incredibly disheartening. But yep. unfortunately, that's, that's the way the business. They're both that way now. Yeah. You know, Marvel and DC both are. Yep. That's what we're in. It's, yep. it's that late-stage capitalism that we're in. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, give it another 10 years, and once everything falls to pieces and – Whatever comes up, maybe then we'll have a, a nice little creative revolution for the comic books. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I think they would rather do another crossover before admitting <laughs> that they need to do any of that, though. So You're probably right. You're probably oh, right. Man. All yeah. right, Stephen. Excellent. Excellent show, as always. Enjoyed it. Good time. Uh, everyone, you guys mm-hmm. can download and listen to the Comic Revolution podcast on podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and just about anywhere else you get your podcast. 
Please make sure to rate and review us. Five stars helps us get our message out, get the podcast out, get more people to the podcast. And we always love hearing from people who follow us on the podcast. Of course, check out our reviews and features over at comicbookrevolution.com. And Stephen, a pleasure as always, my friend. Of course. I don't know what our next topic is going to be. I think our next topic, Stephen, I don't know. Maybe we roll with the Muppets for our next topic. That might be what yeah. we have to do. I've been watching a lot of Muppets on Disney+. Plus. We might have to do that next. I am 100% down for that. Ah, <laughs> Fantastic. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Until next time, viva la revolucion.